real estate investors from Florida, Georgia, and Texas. There's a big online event this coming October that you shouldn't miss. Discover new techniques on how to grow your business and thrive in the middle of the crisis in no time. Just simply go to www.realestateiq.co summit and sign up today. Welcome everyone, happy Wednesday. I hope everyone's doing uh, well better today. And well, we're on to uh, another series of our book club, Successful Habits Book Club. All right, just uh, wanted to remind everyone why it's a good thing to join a book club. And so one, well, it uh, is a direct result of all the habits we have. So the more successful habits we adopt, the more successful we become. And if we do this reading on a regular basis, it's one of the most impactful successful habits we have. And if you are part of a, you know, this book club, you can be part of a community or a group of people that feels like family can discuss basically anything you can share your views about this book and uh, about what you've learned you can connect and build your online network with with our coaches here with our mentors and other book club readers so even if we are at home doesn't have to limit our world and of course it challenges us to read more books and now we're on we're almost halfway to our current book uh, what it takes by Stephen Schwarzman. So, um, what is our vision for this book club? It's like I said, to bring together a group, core, a core group of individuals that are highly motivated and high performance, so we can all grow together. Real Estate IQ is a technology and data company, and we're focused on creating work from home automated systems for our real estate investment community. And our main mission is so we can empower your journey to your freedom and success. Simple as that. Our core values are we are a growth-oriented company. We're always aiming to grow and to learn. We have a champion mindset. We're always wanting to have a win-win situation for everyone. And we uh, do value integrity in everything we do, right? And just a quick uh, overview about our work from home automated systems. We have deal analysis wherein we send you unlimited computations right to your email. And deal finding, we have four, uh, around four to 5,000 plus of motivated seller leads. And premium skip trace where we can uh, provide emails, phone numbers, or everything else that you need. And please join our Real Estate IQ communities found in www.realestateiq.co and just look for our uh, Successful Habits book club. All right. And um, you can stay on top of our 
passive investment in, in, uh, opportunities and you can find out more of the benefits what you can get if you join our passive investment program by um, clicking that link below and that will also be appearing on our chat box okay so this week we're just going to continue with part two that's pursue worthy fantasies and we are actually going to tackle four chapters from chapter seven to ten so i hope you were get you guys were able to catch up on some reading and um, a little later we're going to have our online networking time and just a quick disclaimer all the information presented in this um video or webinar is intended for educational purposes only. We do not offer investment, financial, or legal advice. Okay, and just a few of our uh, panelists or coaches, we have John Yu, Brent Ma, and Michael Gertiez. Still don't have Joseph right now. And this is one of the, this is our current book that we're reading by Stephen Schwarzman. It's What It Takes, Lessons in the Pursuit of Excellence. So you can check it out in Audible or Amazon. All right. So here's a rundown of the chapters that uh, we're discussing. So this chapter seven, the harder the problem, the more limited competition. Chapter eight is call, then keep calling. Chapter nine, go where others aren't. And chapter 10, don't miss the can't miss opportunities. All right, so basically, um, Stephen Schwartzman was telling about how Blackstone originated. So Blackstone is the, the company that he founded. And so he started Blackstone in 1985 at a time when the U.S. economy was recovering. Interest rates were very low and borrowing was easy. And at that time, uh, Wall Street was also unraveling. So uh, it affected a company he was working with. It, that was Lehman Company. And that kind of pushed him to came, come up with Blackstone together with Peter. So Blackstone is is actually a neutral name because he doesn't want to have to to change the name if ever a new partner comes to add that partner's name into the company name. And so Black comes from the word Schwarz, this is his uh, last name, and Stone actually comes from Peter, right? Peter Stone. And so with that, they came up with Blackstone. And so with this logo, they just um, thought of having a simple logo, looks credible and looks respectable. And basically what I uh, just uh, gained from this part is that, you know, coming up with a name uh, for your business, it's just have to go with it because if your business fails, nobody will remember your name. But if your business succeeds, everyone will know it. So just pick something, get on with it, and hope you succeed enough to be known. So with that, I, I'm just thinking that just go ahead. I mean, don't uh, get caught up with thinking about 
the technicals, the little things, and just choose one thing and go with it. Anyway, if it fails, nobody will remember it. But we do hope, of course, that you succeed with it and everyone remembers that name that you chose. Okay, with the next chapter, the harder the problem is, the more limited, uh, the more limited competition. I really like this quote where you said it's hard. It's as hard to start and run a small business as it is to start a big one. So you will suffer the same toll financially and psychologically as you bludgeon it into existence. It's hard to raise the money and to find the right people. So if you're going to dedicate your life to business, which is only which is the only way it will ever work, you should choose one with the potential to be used. So since it's gonna take the same thing, you know, financially, mentally, physically on you to run a small business in a big one. So why don't you just choose the the one that has the major impact, the greatest potential to be used? So I mean I'm we're all good with uh, starting with small, you know, but if you're going to dedicate your life, you just have to make sure that you aim for the big one, the one with the most impact. So the one that can, you know, solve real problems. And that's why I said that the harder the problem is, the more limited the competition, because you're, you're actually able to to solve that problem that nobody else really cares about because the competition or the number of people that are looking at that problem are, you know, they're mostly avoiding it. They don't like uh, dealing with it. And if you're the only one who can actually solve it, then you're the one who's getting uh, the big chunk of the pie. And what Schwarzman said about success is that um, he said that success is not a straight line. Of course, there's more than one way to get to success. And he said that success is about taking advantage of those rare moments of opportunity that you can't predict. But they come to you provided that you're alert and open to major changes. And so you can't really uh, predict it when it comes. But when that golden moment comes, uh, you have to be alert and open to it. But again, uh, that comes as a result of being prepared and having had that experience, having had that you know character that he was referring to in the previous chapters, having that those traits that you should have uh, to be successful. And so when that time comes, then you have to be open to it and ride right away. So I really like that part. And on the chapter where it says, go where others aren't, I uh, said that if you believe in what you're doing, you have to keep moving forward, even when the quest uh, feels hopeless. Sorry. So. Uh, this chapter is really more on telling the story about how they got in it, you know, how they first started getting investors, getting funding. And so he was telling about, you know, 
they were getting rejections left and right. And then finally, they were able to get an, an investor with Prudential. And so they gave him $100 million. And so um, what he's saying that to go where others aren't. So in this case, he actually uh, met a company named, or he met someone from the company of Nico. And it went to a point where he went to Japan, it's a Japanese uh, company, to focus on Nico, build a uh, contract with them, and he was able to find a way in order to help them. So he was offering something that he could be the only one to help them in exchange for funding, in, in exchange for being a, an investor with Blackstone. And so with that, even though, you know, he was experiencing past rejections, he just uh, went ahead and in unlikely places with unlikely people, he was able to find an, an ally with Nico. And so as a result of all of that uh, funding, they were able to raise, uh, I believe, $800 million, or I think he was even able to exceed that because his goal is uh, $1 billion U.S. dollars. And so, you know, if you think that your market is saturated, you think that a lot of people are already flocking to that one opportunity, just go where others aren't because you have to find your own, uh, you have to find your own niche. You have to see what uh what other opportunities aren't visible you know aren't very clear and so you might uh just find that you know you just have to keep moving forward even when the quest feels helpless and oh i forgot to mention um blacks or schwarzman you know had to sell his vision over and over again, because it may be that the first time that they you said it, they may not have understood it first, or they might need to understand why, what, what, why you're doing what you're doing, and so you just have to basically overwhelm them with your argument and with a little bit of charm. Okay. Lastly, don't miss the can't miss opportunities. So on uh, the last part, he was really talking about how Blackstone came, became involved with real estate. So you guys might know a little bit about this. So he said that you often find this difference between different types of investors. Some will tell you that all the value is in driving down the price you pay as slow as possible. And these investors revel in the transaction itself. And that has always seemed short term to me. What that thinking ignores is all the value you can realize once you own an asset. The improvements you can make, the refinancing you can do to improve your returns, the timing of your sale to make the most of a rising market. If you waste all your energy and goodwill in pursuit of the lowest possible purchase price and end up losing the asset to a higher bidder, all that future value goes away. And sometimes it's best to pay what you have to pay and focus on what you can do then as an owner. 
the returns to successful ownership will often be much higher than the returns on winning a one-off battle over price. And so, you know, he values the potential that you can get once you own an asset because it's not really something that, that you have at the start so once you get improvements you know it has the biggest returns and so but if you end up losing that to a higher bidder then uh that future value or you won't be getting that you won't be getting any of that value so just get what you can and focus on how you can improve it uh, and i'm sure our uh, coaches here have a lot to say about that part so come on in guys what do you think so it's kind of funny is i uh i read three chapters and not four so i skipped the chat i didn't read the chapter on real estate yet <laughs> well, i have some opinions i have some opinions believe it or not on on investing in real estate um but i mean uh if it's all right i'd like to uh break down the chapters that i read and, and kind of some major takeaways uh that, that i had um, and this, this book resonates with me so much um, because my back my background is in real estate, is in entrepreneurship, is is in sales. So I really want to emphasize some of the stuff that like uh, call then keep calling. Like I mm. I I want to make a sales book and, and just write that on every page. Call and then and then call again and then call again and then call again. Uh, somebody I'm, I do a lot of, of stuff like this. And somebody asked me on one of these calls, they said, how do I know if I'm following up too much? And I said, if you're, if you feel like you're following up too much, you're not following up enough. Um, you, it, it is call them and call them and call them. Um, I, I the, if you're going to start a business um, that, that's more than just you, you need to read this book. This is this is absolutely incredible. Um, one of the things that I, would, I wish Steve was on because uh, Steve and I uh, talk quite a bit. And one of the things that that's so important to Steve is culture. Culture is so crucial as you grow an organization. And and this this speaks to me. A lot, a lot of new people are like, I'm, I'm starting, I'm starting a business and I'm, I'm leaving the corporate world and I'm going out on my own. Um, the, the culture part of this speaks to me a lot because it's something that I'm doing is I'm working on, I left the corporate world. I went out on my own. I've, I've created teams and that the, the creating the teams is something that's, uh, that's, that's huge for us, um, is, is teams and partnerships is so, so crucial to scale your business, to scale your business. Um, uh, so, something else that j just as an entrepreneur that you said, Shirley was, uh, when he, when he and Pete went out to, to raise money, it, it's not like these guys were unknown. It's, uh, Pete was the CEO of Lehman brothers. He was the CEO of Lehman brothers. Um, Schwartzman, Steven Schwartzman was the mergers and acquisitions guy, like the, the, the big mergers and acquisitions guy. And they had to hoof it and it, it, but let's face it. They didn't have to hoof it. 
neither one of these guys had to do this, had, had to grow. But they went through just the struggles that they went through to sell themselves. And then, and then you know, I, I work with a lot of new real estate investors. Well, this doesn't work. I sent out 100 yellow letters, and um, I'm, I'm not a multimillionaire yet. So I'm giving up. Um, we're, we're not talking about somebody that, that needed to do this, but we're talking about people that were incredibly <laughs> successful, incredibly successful. I think Pete was, uh, uh, in the, in the cabinet for president Reagan. Um, the, this is, this, uh, and, and I might be wrong on that. I know that he was affiliated with president Reagan. I don't know if he was in the cabinet. Um, so that, that's something that as you're starting a business, failure is part of it. Fail forward. Fail, fail forward always. Um, I'll, I'll go back to the, to the culture. Um, so on page 92, he says, our main assets were our skill sets, our experience, and our reputations. Um, our skills and personalities were different but complementary. Um, so this, this goes to, to a, uh, a partnership um, to where – if I don't need two of me, um, if, if there's two of me, we're going to have a ton of ideas. We're, we're going to have a ton of ideas and absolutely nothing is ever going to stick. Um, one of, one of my partners in a uh, different Michael, um, but one of my partners is, uh, he's a, a big dog in, in Dallas is Michael Brow. Um, and I was talking and I called, and this is how the conversation went. I called him and I said, hey, I only have 30 seconds. I have an idea. This is what the idea is. I don't know what to do with it. You run with it. I got to go. And, and, and I mean, that was the conversation. And I have, and, and that's one of the things that I do with, a, I have a lot of people that I work with that I'm like, I have an idea. I have to get it out of my head. You're the person that needs to, to take this and run with it. Here's the idea. I, I need you to put together some preliminary thoughts and let's circle back. And, and that, that's just something that, that I have to do to, to help me grow my business is I've got those people that are more, um, I, I hate the term visionary because it sounds so grandiose. I, I'm, I'm ADD. I, I mean, when, when I say I'm visionary, it means I'm ADD. And I think of, I just think of cool, um, complimentary businesses and, and stuff to do. Um, and so, and I just surround myself with operations people that are great with, that I can just pick up the phone. Hey, just, just spit out some gibberish and and they take it and run with it. So that, that's something that, that I, that, that I need to partner with. And, and he had, uh, Stephen, uh, Stephen Pete had this kind of relationship where one was more visionary and, and relationship focused and one was more nuts and bolts operational. Um, so you've got to have the operations person, uh, a business isn't going to go anywhere without somebody with operations. Um, and then uh, I'm the, the, the visionary is, is what's called most often. That's not as necessary. You have to have the operations person, but you're not going to get a lot of growth if, if you're just focused on operations. Um, you put experienced operators you trusted to improve whatever you brought, whatever you bought. So, uh, their business model was buy businesses and flip them. Um, I really wish that I'd read the, the chapter on real estate since that's what I do. Um, but it, it's, it's all about 
understanding the basics of the business, understanding the potential, and, and then putting in the right people to management. Uh, if you're interested in commercial real estate, that's what commercial real estate is. Commercial real estate, yes, it has to do with, with fixing the property, but it's, it's all about fixing the business. That is, that is the biggest thing. Um, one, of the th one of the businesses that I'm in is in self-storage. And it's a saturated market, but we have a very unique value-add proposition. We have some uh, proprietary technology that we use um, that we take these mom and pops that, that, built, that went and built self-storage themselves, and they managing it themselves. Um, uh, and, and it's just not scalable, and they're ready to retire. And it, and it was a great business for them, and it supported them. Um, but their kids don't want anything to do with it, so, that, so they need to sell it. Well... The, the cube smarts of the world, the, the massive REITs, uh, real estate investment trusts that are buying these things, they don't want a 70, 80 unit facility. Um, and it's not scalable to run a 70, 80 unit facility unless you have the right technology and the right marketing in place. So that, that's something that, uh, that, that we do is we go and we find these unique problems, but that's not the chapter that I'm on. Um, if you're pick, you should be picking up the ADD that I was mentioning a minute ago. Uh, could be worse. You could have ADHD. At least it's only oh, no, ADD. I, yeah, I've got I've got a good. I solid, have ADHD, so solid combination of ADHD and OCD. That's uh, there. You go. It's a winning a, combo. Exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, uh, I don't even know if I'm. Oh, I skipped the chapter that I wanted to to start on. No, I didn't. Um. So really good opportunities there. Uh, had to, uh, we had to master the dynamic new area of finance. So this is uh, creating, finding, finding the problems. As, as entrepreneurs, as business people, the reason that we get paid, the reason that anybody would ever give us money is because we solve problems. The more problems you can solve, the more money you can make. So that's the, the storage facilities that I was just talking about. We, we take the, the problem that these people are only advertising in the yellow pages. If you're not familiar, what the yellow pages is, is they bring this book, all right, a, a physical book. And, and it was, no, nobody uses the yellow pages. They use Apple Maps and they use Google. Um, to, to figure out what, what they're doing. So we, we find the unique problem. We find a, a, a specific solution. Um, same thing with, with buying foreclosures. The, the, reason that, the reason that we buy houses going to foreclosures is because we can solve the problem. No one on the foreclosure list wants to sell their house. That's not the way they want to solve their problem. But we go through, uh, my, my process is we go through a bunch of solutions, be like, well, that, does that work? No. Okay, well, does this work? No. Does this work? No. But we have unique ways to solve their problem. Um, and, and phrasing and setting things up, um, I'll, since I didn't read the chapter on real estate, I'll, give, I'll throw out some secret sauce. Um, I never talk about sales price. When, when, I'm, when I'm dealing with, with a homeowner, I never talk about sales price. How much money do you want to walk away with? How, how much money do you have to walk away with? That, that's all I bring. That I don't talk about sales price. I talk about what is, what, where do we need to be? That, that's one of the things that, that I've really, uh, uh, that I use. Because that's the problem. 
that's that's the problem that people facing foreclosure are looking is is if I have to sell the house, how much cash am I walking away with? Um, for me, when I sell a house, I've got I've got a little tinge of pride. Not a, not a, not that I'm going to lose a deal over it. I care about the sales price. I care about the sales price as a as a point of as a point of pride that I need to get at least this. And that's typically on stuff that I've owned for a long time. Um, uh, but the the what do you need to walk away with is the is that unique problem solved. Um, uh, and then, uh, in the, in the heart of the problem got into culture, um, and growing the business. If we came across the right person to scale a business in a great investment class, why not? So they would, they, they're all about growth and finding the people, uh, Pete and I thought of, uh, of the people we wanted to run those new businesses in areas of 10 out of 10s. So they, they talked about, you know, an eight out of 10 is going to do what they're supposed to do. A nine out of 10 is going to come up is going to find creative ways to do what they're already supposed to be doing. A 10 out of 10 is going to create a new, uh, all new business model, um, design solutions and take everything to the next level. And, and it was so much of creating this culture. Um, I, I page 100, just go reread that, reread that two or three times. I highlighted, really highlighted the entire page. I didn't, I didn't highlight it this way. I highlighted it this way. I won't subject you to listening to me read all of that. Go so go through and reread page one hundred. Um, but what they talked about was all of these massive firms on Wall Street were exploding. Were exploding. Uh, Lehman Brothers was five hundred people when they worked there. Um, at the they talked about in the writing it was twenty thousand people. You're not going to get noticed with twenty thousand people. Um, so they, they were working on attracting all of these tens out of tens where they were just a number somewhere else to bring them into their business, to grow their business. Um, and, and they talked about, they changed wall street's culture, which is, which is huge. It's, uh, uh, specifically on page one Oh two, he says with 20,000 people, it's much harder to find the good young talent. Um, that's, I love young, dumb and hungry. That is that young, dumb and hungry served me well when I was young, dumb and hungry. Um, the, so you, the, there's weird stuff that you realize as a real estate investor that you realize you're getting older. Um, I remember being able to say, I can't touch my IRA for another 30 years. And I'm like, oh, I can do it in 25 years now. Uh, but I, I, I remember on stage saying, I can't touch my IRA for another 30 years. Yeah, nope. I'm I'm down to 24 and a half, 24 and a half years till till I can touch my IRA. Uh, but that's a that's a weird age reference point that most people aren't. Most 30 year olds aren't going to hit. Brent, um, you're so old. I know, I know. I'm just used up. Um, uh, guys, it, I, I the 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 these three chapters really touched on on some specific stuff that I want to kind of cover chapter by chapter. Um, I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on on culture. I'm sorry, I'm believe it or not, I'm monopolizing. I apologize. I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on culture and the stuff that that y'all took away from from this. I mean, Michael. Yeah, you- the one that that actually uh, brought back a little bit of trauma for me was when he was talking about. When they, when the person took over as CEO, I'm going to call it a hostile takeover as CEO, mm-hmm. the way that was handled. Um, first of all, I was relating 
with his point of view of that he would fight the guy tooth and nail. He'd take him down. I'm like, okay, that's my personality. I would never go down without a fight. But the, the trauma for me, literally, was I previously worked for a company that was based in Dallas, and they were a bunch of tax people and attorneys. And all they did was sue government, local, locality, state, um, and federal, if a company overpaid on its taxes, they'd hire this firm, and this firm would go over everything with a fine-tooth comb. They were all about being legal and correct and get the overpayment back. Well, I went in with, they hired me on to, to, to revamp their entire digital marketing worldwide, and come to find out that the way they operated was if, if every vendor that we worked with had a 30-day in which you had to pay your your um, invoices, they would make everything 90 days and they wouldn't work with you unless you made it 90 days. Well, okay, that's fine. Well, then literally nothing got paid unless the CEO himself, he would go through everything that was late and then he would check off certain ones to pay because he was trying to keep his money in his pocket. He owned the company. <clears throat> so now we're 100, 120, 130. And what ended up happening is that it was people like myself whose reputation and professional reputation took a hit because the vendors were calling me saying, why aren't you paying? Well, the CEO's laughing because he has no intention of paying. And he's like, go ahead, sue me. I've got nothing but a hundred lawyers on staff. I'll tie you up all day long. So it was, it was really interesting to see that toxic culture. We talked about a toxic culture and I've lived it guys. And be great. I think it's something very, very positive to experience because it, I, I like to learn. I've always learned more by seeing what not to do than seeing what to do. And this was a class study in what not to do. And you look at the importance of culture. You look at the importance of having integrity. You look at the importance of having the right people. Um, I believed in our mission. I totally did not believe in our ethics, our integrity, what we were doing, the fact that, that we were screwing people left and right. And guys, carry that over into now that you're real estate investors and your company and who you partner with, you can influence that. You have control over that culture, choosing who you partner with and how you choose to act. So, so make sure you seize this opportunity and learn from what he was talking about and 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 have that right culture you know that to me was probably because it was such a painful period of several years in my life was was the the, the most personal relation i had with this book was reading that and seeing what he went through on that and i, I know you're probably all like okay that's really weird and that's a weird takeaway but you know it 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 it's it, it, it got to me it's your perspective and, and I mean, I, I guarantee you when growing your business, you're going to do something different. You're not going to be the same way. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Your own culture. Yeah. And, and you know what? My, my reputation is worth more to me than any one deal. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, what Michael here is trying to say is very aligned with what I'm trying, what I got out of the chapter. Um, the four chapters uh he mentioned that uh in you know he was going into real estate from you know his other 
buying business stuff. And he didn't know anything about real estate except the fact that he's a homeowner. So he partnered up with an individual who is a hugely successful uh, real estate investor uh, at the time. And, uh, and uh, you know, the, the very first deal that he did, he got like a 65% or 61%. I can't remember the actual number, but it's like some ridiculous number return a year. And then, you know, he asked the guy and he said, you know, how many more of these are available? And the guy's like, well, the whole country is basically for sale. And he's like, well, that's crazy. And then the guy got basically bought out by Goldman, <laughs> Goldman Sachs. You know, they offered him like a billion dollars. Uh, and, and, and uh, you know, I in, in the book, it, it, I don't think he has any ill will towards the guy. I can't even remember his name, but I don't think he has any ill will towards the guy. But he says, look, his culture is not aligned with what Blackstone was trying to do. So he had to let him go. He says he wanted to get the billion dollar from Goldman. So it's no use crying over spilled water. I let him go. And I think that's really important. You know, if you partner up with somebody who doesn't have the right, well, I wouldn't say it wouldn't, doesn't have the right mindset, but doesn't have the same mindset as you. It, it can be incredibly difficult. You know, it's not that who was right and who was wrong, but, uh, Values. And goal is different. Yeah, the, and, and it comes down to values. Right. Um, yep. Your morals and your ethics. Right. So he says, you know, hey, they they gave me exactly what I wanted. <clears throat> I feel bad. So if you can raise a billion dollar, I'll 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 stick with you. And he's like, you know, that's and and I think the whole process went like this. This has been, it's been a while since I read this chapter, so I'm I'm really ahead. But uh, I think it went like this. He. He said that uh, Steve said that he he didn't wanted to um, he didn't wanted to just invest people's ass, uh, money into this specific asset without asking their permission. That's not the way he runs, right? So he actually through his quarterly investor meeting, he he basically said, "Look, we're looking into investing in real estate, and this is what we did." And blah, blah, blah. But at the time, it was you know the country is in a form of chaos, and nobody really think that real estate is good because they all been burned by, you know, underwater debt. So I think everyone except for General Motors, um, you know, basically said no is the idea. So, you know, he, he's like, okay, well then, you know, his culture is he's going to ask for permission from his, from his investors. He's not going to just say, look, look, this is, this is great investment. I don't care. I'm going to make like a thousand percent return on you. He, you know, he, he values that relationship between him and the investors. And and so that's that's when he decided to to you know let let the guy go, and I, I think that's just you know really important. Uh, I, I ran a business, I still run a business uh, in in export import, and you know it was a different ethics uh, between me and my ex partner. He wanted to uh, build a business that he well he wants to, he believes so much in the business that even though when the financials are just clearly not going to work and you're going to be throwing you know 80 grand in debt every single year projected maybe more he still wants to that's how much he believes in it and he you know and we got into a great argument i don't want to you know and and i, I said you know look it's not gonna work for me so so you know we we we, we part our ways and, you know, now, you know, after we part our ways and, and he get his, his share of, of our asset and everything else, I think he's doing extremely well. You know, no, no ill will towards the guy. I think he's doing really well. But 
I didn't want to run a company that was going to potentially risk losing 80 grand a year. You, so, John, you said something which uh, I've talked about in the past and I've done uh, Michael's Minute on them. And it's who, how to choose who you partner. And definitely different skill sets. That is, that is who you want to work with. But you need to have the same core values. Right. And, and, and that, to me, is, is, is a successful partnership. You can figure out the other same stuff if you guys have the same core values and the same ethics and outlook overall. Brent, I That's, see you nodding. You agree with that? Oh, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. I mean, um, Aaron, Aaron is one of my big, big business partners that we've, I mean, we've done several million dollars worth of deals together. Um, and, and I mean, we have different skill sets where, um, we're Aaron can do everything I can do. I can do everything Aaron can do. Um, I'm, he's way better at, at what he does. I'm not going to say that I'm way better there. I'm, I'm the one that you have strengths. I'm the, I'm the one that talks. Um, and I, uh, I don't, I don't know if Aaron's on air. I I'm a little bit softer than Aaron sometimes when, when it comes to, um, explaining things. Uh, but we, we can, but we were both great at, at different things, even though we can do what each other does when we stay in our lane, we, we do a lot better. Um, but our core values are the same. Our, our, our core values, um, our, our goals are the same. We're both very, very aligned with we're going to get rich slow. We're not, we're not, neither one of us is going to get, even if a deal is going to make us rich, any deal we're looking at this, it's not this deal. It, it's how, how is this deal going to help us build better relationships? Uh, on page 103 says our culture would attract the best people and provide extraordinary value for our clients. That that's a, it's going to attract great people and provide extraordinary value for our clients. That that's one of the things that, that I really want to focus on is taking care of, of the clients for, for me, I have, uh, it, it depends on how you look at your clients. Um, for me in the, in the role that I'm in, the role, the role that I do a lot of is, um, is, is dealing with investors specifically. I'm still involved in the deals. Um, I'm not the one talking to homeowners most of the time. So I'm, I'm, my role in the business switched from my home, my, from the homeowner being my client to the investor relations being the client. Every time I structure a deal, I want to look at what is going to be best for my investors. What's going to, what's going to be best for my investors because I'm lazy. I want them to come back every time I, I want my, I want to, when I return capital, I'm going to say, Brent, what else do you have? I don't, I don't, thanks for the money. I don't really want it back. Can, can you keep me paying me on it? So I, I really want to focus on what's, what's best for the client and what's, what's best for those roles and, and having that culture and having those partners that have the values that are so well aligned is, is incredible. Um, I know that, I know that you and Chris partner on a ton, Michael, what, what is, what is y'all, what, what is kind of y'all's division of labor? What, 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 what does that look like? Just so people have a, another perspective because there, there's not, there's no one right or wrong way to do things. 
Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. It's, it's, I think it's similar to what you were saying that we can each do what each other does. And I know that if he's working on a particular deal or if he knows that I'm working on a particular deal, I don't need his permission and he doesn't need my permission because we know that we're going to look out for each other and we're going to get the best deal possible that's legit. Mm -hmm. And there's so, I can't stress enough the comfort in knowing that and having that trust. You know, Julie, my wife, uh, for those of you who don't know, she's a 18 year certified ARV appraiser. She's the numbers queen. She says the numbers and then look, can I look up numbers? Sure. Can Chris look up numbers? Absolutely. Can we do a three hour analysis inside and out like she can? No, and, and, and most people can't, but, but that, that's our strength. So we don't try and replicate that. We let her take care of that. Um, and, and, and it's that, I, I think what you were saying, Chris, that um, we I'm each, Brent. Uh, Chris, sorry, Brent, we, we each have similar strengths, but we each have our own strengths also that makes it a much stronger team. But at the end of the day, it's all based on similar values. And, and, and I mean, the, the, the values are the same. And, and another, just something else that, that Aaron and I have, I can look at a deal at 30,000 feet and say yes or no, or, or I, not yes or no. I can say no from 30,000 feet. I can say no for 30,000 feet. And then I, I can get down in the weeds. I, I can, I can build the Excel models. I can, I can do all of that. I'm a lot better at, at saying, Hey, and, and Aaron likes getting down on the weeds. He's, 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 he's world. He, he's the best I've ever seen. At getting down to the weeds and putting together pro formas and, and business analysis and uh, literally the best I've ever seen. Um, and, but I can, I can say, I can screen stuff and say, Hey, this looks like I've got this lead and, and here's the, here's the high level details. I know what you're going to ask. I've already asked those. As soon as I get those, I'm going to give that to you for you to run your, your in-depth analysis. But because our, our investor DNA is so similar. It, it works really, really well. And that all has to do with culture and, uh, trust, trust culture and, uh, and, and just moving in, in the right direction. So, um, so that that's, I, culture is so important in, in figuring out what's, what's most important for you and what's most important for your organization. It's really going to come into when you start to try to scale that that's yep. where it's going to grow. Um, the next chapter call, then keep calling. I, I actually highlighted the, the, so every chapter, I think I have a highlight in the first and the first paragraph, this one, I highlighted the title of the chapter call, call and keep calling. I, that, I, I feel like kind of says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. I feel like that could be a sales book that just on the cover, it says call then keep calling. And then every page on the inside is blank. I, it, it, it's, it's really that simple of, of sticking with things. And this is where we really dove into a lot of the solving problems. Uh, and, and I love this. I love this chapter for new entrepreneurs. Uh, I, 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 I just love this book. I'm, I'm I've got a, I don't, is a man crush on a book. Is that a thing? I don't, I don't know. Um, on page 108, he says, I couldn't let it happen. I could not fail. I had to find a way. And if you've been an entrepreneur for more than a week, you, you, this is in your, this is ingrained in you. I could not let it happen. I could not fail. I had to find a way. Um, 
and then, and then he gets into more of the, the solving specific problems on page 109. Uh, Watkins had a difficult problem and he wanted an inventive solution. If something's easy, there will always be plenty of people willing to help you solve it. Okay. Real estate investing is simple, but it's not easy. Okay. It's simple, but it's not easy. Okay. I love, I love when the person that I want to get in, t in contact with, I, nobody, I can't get in contact with them on the first try. Cause you want to know how many times everybody else is going to try once they're, they're going to, they're going to try once I get a return mail. I'm going to skip trace them. I'm going to call every number associated with them. All right. And then I'm going to start skip tracing family members. I'm going to call every number associated with their mom, every number associated with their dad, every phone number associated with every one of their spouses. Some people have more than others, their kids. I'm going to call until I find somebody. I love returned mail because I know that everybody else is going to give up after that. They're, they're looking for that easy button. This is not the, the real estate investing specifically. We're on real estate IQ. So I'm talking about real estate investing. And, and, and Chris, uh, uh, Brent, let me add, add something to that. Um, the part that's easy. I, I also see a lot of, people looking for the easy deals with the big numbers. You know what, guys? I'd rather do 10 deals a month that makes me smaller amount of money than waste my time and just try and focus on the one home run deal a month. And, and it's, it gets back to that scalability. It gets back to that culture. Be hungry for it. Just make deals happen. Don't just sit back and wait for the grand slam home run. Don't just say, well, you know, if I can't make 50,000 on this flip or if I can't make 50,000 on the assignment, I'm not going to do it. Now, I'm not saying don't be safe and don't be smart, but guys, I, I've assigned deals where I've only walked away with $1,000, but you know what? It was $1,000 more than I had the day before. People ask me that one, they, I, they, I have a lot of questions. I get asked a lot. One of the most common questions is what's an assignment fee? Yeah. And I love I love 2019 as my example for an assignment fee. Okay, so you're you're probably north of this. My biggest assignment fee in 2019 was $37,000. That was my biggest assignment fee. My smallest assignment fee was $200. That's the window. When when people ask what is an assignment fee, I it's somewhere between $200 and 37,000. Somewhere yep. somewhere in that range. Um, yeah. but here's, here's my thing. If, if you're going to get, if, if you're wholesaling, if you're wholesaling and you've got a deal that doesn't make sense, that you're only going to make 200 bucks, push through it, push through that deal. You're not doing it for this deal. You're doing this because you're taking care of your client in this, in this scenario, your client is both the homeowner. You're stopping their foreclosure. Your other client is your wholesale buyer. And to, and, and if you're making 200 bucks, tell your buyer, hey, I'm, I'm really taking a hit on this one. I need you to take care of me on the next one. I, I, I'm, just so you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not covering my costs on this deal. But this is a good deal for you, and I'm taking care of you. And they're going to they're gonna remember that. It's a law of reciprocity. But, I mean, that's a um, – Pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. Don't get greedy and don't and don't just look for don't just look for the easy. Um, uh, and then, but find a real mess and there's no one around. If you can clean it up, you will find yourself in rare company. 
So when you find a big mess, if you clean it up, you're going to be in rare company. People with tough problems will seek you out and pay you handsomely to solve them. Okay. That's how we make money is we solve tough problems, tough problems. Uh, for a pair, pair for a pair of entrepreneurs trying to break through solving hard problems was going to be the best way of proving ourselves. And it's the best way to pay. Um, one, one eleven. if the job was easy, we would never have gotten it. How many people want to do an easy job? Everybody, everybody wants to do an easy job. The, the jobs that pay are the jobs that aren't easy. Um, th this is another And Brent, in line with what you were saying earlier, I, I actually had a big dog come to me the other day and I helped him skip trace somebody, uh, the seller. I, I ended up negotiating with the seller. I ended up getting it for the, the, the big dog wanted it as a buy and hold. And I ended up negotiating it for uh, 5,000 less than the big dog was even willing to pay. And then the big dog, he kind of stepped on the seller's toes today and pissed off the seller. And I had to make, make everything good and stuff like that. I love that stuff. I love getting in there and saving the day. And I love those challenges. To me, that is, and, and I'm not making much on this particular fee to help them out, but you know what? That gets my blood flowing. I, I had an attorney. I did a thing uh, on the Facebook group. I had an attorney uh, on Saturday morning call me up and try and browbeat me and, and tell me that MOCs aren't legal, that he was going to sue me. And then I got to the heart of the matter. And I was like, uh, you know, you're, you're interfering with a, a legally binding track one to four. And he's like, well, what's that? I said, what's what? Because I don't know what a track one to four is. And I literally started to laugh in his face and said, you know what? I'm sorry, I can't continue this conversation with you. If, you. if you're a real estate attorney and you don't know what a Trek 1 to 4 is, Google it and call me back. And, and you know what, guys? That made my day. That, the, those challenges, that overcoming stupidity uh, and, and just pushing through and persevering. You know what we ended up doing on that deal? We ended up, I ended up reaching out to the lender. I'm now best friends with the private lender. When the lender forecloses on them, regardless of this attorney, because they're not following through on the Trek 1 to 4, guess who's coming to me to assign this for them and is actually going to pay me more to assign it? The lender. So overcome, adapt, find the ways to make things work. Don't take no for an answer. And, and you'll be successful. Give me the details on the deal when you sell it. <laughs> okay. Um. So one, one thing you said a little bit earlier is that your reputation is worth more than any deal. My, 100%. My, my reputation is worth more than any, any transaction. Um, something something that, that really resonates for me when, when it comes to deals and getting paid. I don't want a lot of anything. I don't want a lot of anything. What I want I want a little of a lot. Okay. I'm, I'm not, I'm just like, just like one deal. My right reputation isn't worth one deal. I, I, I will tell you this. My reputation is worth more than a half million dollars because I've given up a half million dollars for my reputation. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I can't be bought. I'm just saying the numbers above a half million. Like, like the, the number's over half a million because I've, I've walked away from a half million dollars for something that would question my reputation and, and not in like in an, un, in, an un, in an unethical, just a, I said I was going to make this happen. So I'm going to make it happen. Um, so again, the, the bidding is going to go up from a half million for, for my reputation, but just like my, any one deal isn't worth my reputation. 
there, I'm not going to get rich on one deal. I'm, I'm, there's never going to be one deal that's going to be a life that's going to change my life. I, I want to be, I want to be a part of, of a lot. Um, this, this is something so crucial for entrepreneurs on page 113. Uh, it's the end of the second paragraph. Success is about taking advantage of those rare moments of opportunity that you can't predict, but come to you provided you're alert and open to major changes. Okay. Success is about taking advantage of those rare moments of opportunity that you can't predict, but you come to you provided you're alert and open to major changes. Um, that, that, that is, we have to be looking for those opportunities and we have to be ready to jump on those. Um, uh, so, I mean, that's that chapter called and keep calling is, is sales 101 entrepreneurship 101. I love that chapter. Um, and then another entrepreneurship go where others aren't go where others aren't. There's, there's a, there's a concept called blue ocean, blue ocean and red ocean. Um, so blue ocean, um, there, there's wide opportunities. You go where other people aren't. We, we read some of the same books, apparently red ocean, red ocean means the, the sharks are already chumming and there's already blood in the water and that's where everybody is. So go out and you find these opportunities that, that aren't a good fit that, that other people aren't doing that other people aren't doing. Um, so in the, in the last year I've started doing subdivision of rural land. I never, I never thought that I would do subdivision of rural land. Um, but it's, it's a strategy that we're buying just dirt, dirt cheap. Um, there you go. There, there, it's literally dirt cheap. So we're, we're buying the, these large, and I mean, not, not that large, I mean, 10, 15, 20 acres, um, and subdividing into one acre plots and, and, uh, owner financing it. Uh, and it's an incredible business model. How many other, how many other people are looking for 10 acres in Leonard, Texas? You want to know what my level of competition was? Where's Leonard? That, that, I, I mean, that, that's a, we're, um, we're going, our total investment is $60,000. Um, we're going to make a total of $480,000 on, on that. Our, excuse me. Our investment was 60. We're going to make 240. Sorry, I, I overstated. Um, I didn't go to math college, but that's a pretty good return. Um, you want to know how much risk we took? Not a lot. Not a lot. You want to know what we're building? Nothing. We're not building anything. We're not running any utilities. We're literally just doing the subdividing uh, and, and providing an opportunity to, to, to buy more affordable land. Um, so that, that's just a, a weird strategy that I, 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 don't, I don't think I made it up, but I, I mean, it's nobody else was doing it, uh, and it. And it was a way to, to monetize. Um, uh, so, so find those opportunities where other people aren't, aren't really hammering them. Uh, um, one of the things that, that he talked about in here, when he talked about go where others want is this is a, this is a lot of the rejection that he was talking about in the introduction. Um, and, and again, these guys, these guys weren't nobodies. These guys weren't startups. Um, this was the C the former CEO of Lehman brothers. Lehman brothers was huge. All right. So these, these guys were big time. 
Um, uh, one of one of the meetings they went to, they went the they the meeting was accepted because they were famous. That that's literally why the meeting was, and they charged them for coffee um, at the at the meeting. Um, so don't we don't get too big for your britches is, is something my mom would say my grandma would say it more than my mom um so as entrepreneurs especially as startups um and 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 relatively new we've got to you know we've got to really focus on solving those unique problems um one of the things that they made a mistake of is we made the mistake of trying our half-formed pitch on our best pr prospects uh, the people we knew the best. So do your, when you're, if you're pitching something, start with people that, that probably aren't going to buy. Um, one of the things that I recommend to, to brand new investors, and, and this is, this is so counterintuitive. It's not going to make you any money, but I work with a lot of people that are totally scared to talk to homeowners, just absolutely terrified to talk to homeowners. So what I say is, all right, take the four colors of the list. Sort it by equity and call the people that are negative equity. Call, take that foreclosure list and call all the people that are upside down on their house. All right. Um, nobody else is talking to them. You're going to make your way through the entire pitch. Um, so you're going to get, uh, uh, you're, you're going to get a ton of, of growth and learning from talking to those people on the foreclosure list with negative equity. By the way, here's a, here's a plug. Steve's not on, but I'm going to go ahead and plug Real Estate IQ. Real Estate IQ provides foreclosure list. You should subscribe to their services. Guess what? They have phone numbers too. Um, real Estate IQ's premium service. Um, I love Real Estate IQ um, because they save me a lot of money. The skip tracing that Real Estate IQ does, I, I actually, I was in a contract and I just paid my last $1,000 a month for the skip tracing. Uh, I don't even know what real estate IQ charges, but it's a lot less than a thousand bucks. Anyways, um, uh, take and call those, those foreclosures with negative equity. Um, something else for, for new entrepreneurs on page 117, the rejections were horrible and humbling. The setbacks seemed in endless. You're going to run into that. You're going to run into that as an entrepreneur. If, if you're not running into that, you're, you're not growing fast enough. The rejection was horrible and humbling. The setbacks seemed endless. Um, that, that's normal. That, that's, part of, that's part of growing and starting a business. Um, this is uh, going into more of the creative ways to, to solve problems um, on 119. It was a creative way for both of us to get what we wanted. We needed money for our fund. They needed to build their M&A business. People in a tough spot will often focus on their own problems when the answer may lie in someone else's. Okay. Um, when don't focus on your problem. I'm, I'm going to, I, I'm a millennial. I'm not a very good millennial. Um, mommy cares about you. No one else does. Mommy loves you and you're very special. No one else cares about your problems. Nobody else cares about what you want. I'm sorry. It is what it is. Focus on the other party's problems and how you can creatively solve those problems for the other party. Mommy thinks you're very special. I think you're very special too, but I don't care about your problems. 
Sorry. Hey, guys, I need to jump in. I actually have a notary at the door for a deal I'm buying, so I need to go. Make the money. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye, yeah. I bet we can, you can actually write a whole book on this topic, and I know what your title would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think um, we can also go ahead and let in um, some of our attendees. So we... Absolutely. Okay. Let's do that. I'm going to talk about real estate next week. So even if you read a chapter for this week, I'm going to talk about it next week too because I like All right. As we uh, onboard them as panelists, just want to remind everyone next week, we're going to uh, discuss chapters 11 to 14. So that's four chapters again of part two. So you guys can uh, catch up. Oh, but I think some of them are like Juan has to go in a while. And we also have Arthur. Hi, everyone. Um, do you have any takeaways from this uh, previous chapters? Yeah, I, have, I, I do have to get off in, in, years in like Juan. 10 minutes. And I apologize for the long entry. But I, 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 I love this book, too, uh, and I highlighted a lot. I also highlighted Call and Keep Calling uh, on, on, the, on, the, on the chapter. But I just, I just put in there um, the, on page 133, um, the very bottom, uh, I, I love this quote because it, it, it helps me out. It says, to be successful, you have to put yourself in situations and places you have no right being in. You shake your head and learn from this, your own stupidity, but through sheer will, you wear down the world. You wear the world down, and it gives you what you want. I, I, I just, I just like the idea that that putting yourself in awkward, or what could be potential awkward situations, or in places where you don't feel you belong, um, is the only way to build character. Is the only way to build resiliency. Is the only way to build. Gives us the opportunity to reach the top of the pyramid where we can, uh, where it's not as crowded. And, and, I, and I, 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 I underline that, I, I loved that statement. Um, and if I, if I wasn't gonna share anything else, that's the, the one statement. But also uh, on page, uh, hold on real quick. While Maybe you're looking, if you keep on doing what you're doing, you're gonna keep on getting what you're getting. You, yeah, it, yeah. We, 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 it, the, the, the biggest thing, the single, if I can say the single biggest, the single biggest hindrance to somebody being successful as an entrepreneur is being comfortable. Life is good. Life is good. Good gets in the way of great. Yeah. I'm good. I, I'll, I'll, I'll let other people speak. What about you, Israel? I think your camera's on. Yeah. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, down Houston. Um, so yeah, I, what I really liked is even though, you know, they were so well known and stuff, they went and they still, I mean, it just shows you, you know, whether you're, you're on top or, you know, they were kind of restarting, but you know, they got turned down quite a bit and they were well known and they knew what they were doing and their clients knew that they knew what they were doing and they were still getting turned down. So, you know, but that persistence of, of, you know, once again, follow-ups, you know, call, call again, you know, uh, 
I don't know how many deals I've gotten off the follow-up. You know, the first time might be an okay call, you know, but, but then I call back, you know, on the scheduled time that I tell them that I call back and, uh, and, you know, end up getting a deal out of it because of that. Great. Thank you. And well, welcome Arthur. So he's <laughs> one of our, our guests from REAQ as well. Thank you so much, Miss yeah. Shirley. I know I'm having a I'm having a great time. <laughs> I'm learning a lot. Oh, that's great. I know you haven't read a book, but I'll probably share it with you <laughs> so you can catch up. Oh, what about Suvi? Yeah. Thank you. Anyone else, Suvi? Would you like to share your thoughts? Hi, sorry, I'm on and off in this session, but uh, definitely I like the discussions that uh, are being done and uh, I'm learning from those and I really want to start investing like, um, so I, I'm looking out if, you know, someone has any deals and want, um, you know, how to get started and things like that. So, that definitely right. helps. Yeah, I think... Uh, I gave John's number. <laughs> That's okay. So can definitely thank you. Uh, learn from John. And that's it for next week. There's another four chapters. And Surely, can I? Yeah, I oh, apologize sure, sure. for them to since since we're can, can I, I share one more? Um, on on page 149 at the very bottom, I love how he deals with failure. He says, failures are often the best teachers in any organization. One thing I like, though, is what he says next. You must not bury your failures, but talk about them openly and analyze what went wrong so you can learn new rules for decision-making. Failures can be enormous gifts, catalysts that change the course of any organization and make it successful in the future. And, I, you know, too many times I think, you know, being a teacher and working with um, – low-income pretty much students you know they they hear failure a lot and 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 we we attribute failure as the end as the one that that measures who you are and so we don't talk about it and so i i think that statement right there goes to to to, to say hey when you have a failure talk to them and then talk to people like like all you guys and say hey here's what happened i don't know what the heck i'm supposed to do because somebody's already done it and, and overcome it. And then they can share their, their experiences and help you be better because of it. So that, I, I love that statement there. So I just wanted to share that before I jump off. I think that was a really good wrap up. Uh, Brent, I wanted to say one thing on that real quick. In yeah. the military, on, after every mission, every training exercise, whatever that we did, we did what was called an AAR, which is an after action re review. So we always had to list three positives and three things that we could improve on after every mission. And I, I take that into my real estate too. I'd look at, hey, this was great and we did all this, but you know, you need to uh, have your positives and, and stuff that you can improve on so you can make better deals, better decisions in the future. That's huge. And, and you, the, that needs to be done in, in business too. Oh. Yes, well, it's true. Anyone else? Surely take us home. <laughs> okay. 
Great. Uh, so one last thing to more, if you're free, you can join us for the real estate hot trends. We're talking about the new consumer behavior trends, the directions are going due to the COVID-19. And that's it. Thank you so much for coming, everyone. Have Thank a great you, day. Bye, everybody. Bye. Later. Bye. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.